Worth. Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Welcome to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio, keeping you connected to your faith and your world. Teresa tackles the issues of faith and culture, the pro-life message, and media awareness. And now, here's Teresa Tamio. And it's a Friday. It's Friday, January 6, 2023. What a week it's been, a powerful week, and so many memories and reflections, and looking back at the life and the dedication of Benedict XVI. Uh, looking forward to talking about that with you this morning, and also with George Weigel. Of course, he's one of uh, well-known theologians and commentators and contributor to political discussions out there in the world today, not just in the church. His recent book is all about Vatican II. George was in Rome this week for the funeral of Benedict and had the chance to, as you'll hear in the interview, we sat down with him actually earlier this week. Uh, You'll hear in the interview he had the opportunity to pay respects to Benedict with Cardinal Pell, so that was very meaningful for him. And George is going to take a look at his relationship, not only with John Paul II, but Benedict XVI and how those two for him work together to help him with the body of work that he's produced on the papacies of both, of course, John Paul II, which was greatly influenced by Benedict when Benedict was Cardinal Ratzinger within the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith. And then also, of course, uh, much of the work that George has done over the years reflecting on other popes, including obviously the papacy of Benedict the Sixteenth as well. So I think you'll enjoy the interview. Uh, we aired it locally in Michigan when we sat down with George on Tuesday. Uh, you didn't hear, I think, on the National Hour because we were, we were airing a rosary, a live rosary, which we also did, of course, for the repose of the soul of Benedict the Sixteenth on Wednesday as well. So George Weigel joining us for two segments this morning. And then I'm also going to dive into on Fact Check Friday and have a little bit more time this morning, which I'm excited about, to really take a look at the World Communications Day statements of the papacy of Benedict XVI. I talk about these every year, and I'll be talking about them again in a couple of weeks when Pope Francis issues his next World Communications Day statement, which is coming out on the Feast of St. Francis de Sales, a patron of journalists. That'll come out later this month. But I love these documents because they are such great nuggets, and they give us such a great short reflection, but they pack such a powerful punch in terms of how we are supposed to not only understand media usage, but how do we apply it to our lives as Catholics trying to practice the faith? And I'm going to go through some of the titles and then actually pick a few documents and dive in. And I'm doing this for a few reasons, because some of the criticism from the secular media, no shock there, although I think a lot of the, the coverage has been pretty balanced, but there have been some reports that I thought have been extremely off base and just the typical... He's God's Rottweiler, doesn't understand the world today. Uh, He was against contraception, against so-called same-sex marriage. As if the Pope of the Catholic Church is supposed to come in and change 2,000 years of church teaching, which is what the culture, many in the culture, think should happen. But that's not what the Pope does. The Pope upholds the teaching and leads the church in her mission, which is evangelization. However, many people do not take the time to read what the church has to say, whether it be in the catechism, whether it be in encyclicals, whether it be in World Communications Day statements. And so it does itself such a disservice by not really seeing what the church actually teaches versus what they think the church teaches. And I'm telling you, if you're concerned at all about the media, the media in your own life, the media in your children's lives, and to look at this from a Catholic perspective, these World Communications Day statements are incredible resources for all of us. So I'll share some of Benedict's this morning, and that'll be after we air the interview with George Weigel. 
Taking a look at the weather, we still have those issues on the West Coast in California, still struggling with heavy rain and results of the heavy rain, flooding and debris flow, possible landslides uh, re- near recent burn scar areas, and then mountain snow and high winds, all coming because of that what they call the bomb cyclone storm. Meanwhile, low pressure lingering across the Great Lakes in the Northeast will keep the weather unsettled throughout today and possibly the weekend. So that's what we're looking at this weekend, at least starting today on a Friday, January 6th with the weather. Let's get started. Speaking of a Friday morning, January 6, 2023, by taking a look at the news and what's happening in and around our world. Tens of thousands were present in St. Peter's Square yesterday for the funeral of Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI, the leading theologian of the 20th century and the first pope to resign from office in nearly 600 years. Royalty, cardinals, patriarchs, government officials, and this Catholic news agency reports many Catholic families and religious attending that funeral on a cold and foggy morning at the Vatican. More than 3,700 priests can celebrate the Mass. Cardinals Joseph Zen, Daniel DiNardo, Timothy Dolan, Gianfranco Ravasi, and Giuseppe Batori, all cardinals created by Benedict, seated in the front row. The Vatican said 125 cardinals can celebrate it. The ceremony began with the transport of the Pope's wooden coffin from the Basilica to St. Peter's Square. Archbishop Georg Gainswein, Benedict's personal secretary, approaching the coffin, kneeling before it and kissing it. The crowd then prayed the sorrowful mysteries of the rosary in Latin for the repose of the soul of the late Pope. The funeral mass, simple and solemn, in accordance with Benedict XVI's wishes. Meanwhile, New York Cardinal Timothy Dolan was among those overseas for the funeral yesterday of the former Pope Benedict XVI. Dolan said it felt like a death in the family. The lines are still big here. The people are still, they can't seem to get enough of just saying goodbye to Pope Benedict. I'm just amazed at the number of people from all over the Church Universal who have come. Dolan also said he's amazed at the number of people who came to pay their respects. There has been a death in the family. We miss our former Holy Father, Pope Benedict. And let me assure you, there's a lot of love and prayers being offered for him here. Benedict did visit New York in 2008 and made stops at Ground Zero and said Mass at Yankee Stadium as well. A suspect has been arrested now in connection with a three-alarm fire that destroyed a former church in downtown Portland. 27-year-old Cameron Storer is charged with arson and burglary. The building was closed and boarded up at the time of the fire. A city of Portland engineer concerned the building could fall on nearby streets. A baby is dead due to that major winter storm in Northern California. Sonoma County fire officials say powerful winds knocking a tree onto a family's mobile home Wednesday night, claiming the life of the child, the parents only suffering minor injuries. Meanwhile, that bomb cyclone is pounding the coast with heavy rain and hurricane forecasts out west. Lieutenant Jonathan Baxter with the San Francisco Fire Department urging folks to avoid being on the roads as that storm continues. This is a great reminder if you don't need to be out driving in this weather wherever you are in this storm system, please consider staying at home. The intense low pressure weather system hit the Bay Area and down the coast of California earlier this week, lashing the coast with torrential downpours and wind gusts of up to 85 miles per hour. Court documents are revealing new information about the attack of New York City police officers that was allegedly carried out by a Maine man. Prosecutors say Trevor Bickford told an investigator he intended to kill an officer in uniform during the assault that happened just blocks from Times Square on Saturday. The officers were struck by a machete and one of them ended up shooting Bickford. He was arraigned this week on multiple charges and remains in custody. A two-year-old GoFundMe set up by Damar Hamlin to fund a toy drive has hit $7 million 
since the Buffalo Bills safety collapsed on the football field on Monday. The original goal of that funding drive was $2,500. Hamlin remains hospitalized after suffering cardiac arrest. And the nation's border guards say Joe Biden is in for a surprise when he does visit the southern border. People are still crossing. People are still being released in crazy numbers. That's Chris Cabrera with the Border Patrol Union in Texas. Once a person crosses a border, they are allowed to claim asylum. He adds that they hope the president gets a visit to the migrant processing centers. People are getting processed like they're being removed. Then we transfer them to another uh, agency and then they, the paperwork gets redone and they get released. Cabrera adds that physical barriers are being erected, but their use is very limited. Once a person crosses a border, again, he says they are allowed to then claim asylum, as we mentioned. An investigation into a high school in the Commonwealth is broadening. Richard Stelling has that story. Virginia Attorney General Jason Meares is following orders from Governor Glenn Youngkin. The governor called on the AG to launch an investigation into a Northern Virginia school that withheld PSAT test scores from more than a thousand students. Meares announced yesterday that his office will investigate the allegations surrounding Thomas Jefferson High School for Science and Technology. Youngkin made it clear that parents and students deserve to know what happened. Demand for cough and cold medicine is helping Walgreens' bottom line. In its latest quarterly earnings report, the Illinois-based drugstore chain reported revenue of just under $33.4 billion. Walgreens also increasing its full-year sales guidance to more than $137 billion. Despite that, a more than $5 billion opioid settlement led to the company suffering an overall loss in three months that ended on November 30th. And Michael Kastner tells us that members of the military will now be able to take up to 12 weeks of parental leave. The change went into effect Wednesday after a memorandum from the Department of Defense was sent. The 12 weeks are double the previous amount given. Birthing and non-birthing parents, including those who adopt and have been in active or reserve duty for at least 12 months, are eligible for the leave. The new leave policy applies to parents of children born or adopted after December 27, 2022. Fewer people are filing for unemployment benefits. The Labor Department says 204,000 Americans sought first-time claims last week. That's a drop of 19,000 from the previous week's revised total. The states that had the largest increases for the week that ended on Christmas Eve were Missouri, Kentucky, and Washington. California, Georgia, and Texas saw the largest declines. And CES 2023 kicking off Wednesday in Las Vegas, showcasing the latest in consumer electronics. The show, which runs through Sunday, is coming back in full force after two years of COVID restrictions. Everything from virtual reality to concept cards will be on display. And there's even a $3,300 self-driving stroller for parents who don't want to push. And mortgage demands falling in December to the lowest level since 1996. Aaron Real has that story. Mortgage demand was down 13.2% at the end of 2022 as interest rates continue to creep up. The average contract interest rate for the 30-year fixed mortgage increased to over 6.5%, up from 6.3% in mid-December. At the end of 2021, the rates were at 3.3%. Demand for refinancing, which is most sensitive to weekly interest rate changes, that was down 87% from the same period in 2021. Mortgage applications to purchase homes were down 42% year over year. A new nine-state survey showing bad news, apparently, for the Midwest economy. This is a December survey of manufacturing supply managers in nine states stretching from North Dakota and Minnesota in the north to Oklahoma and Arkansas in the south. The overall index dropped below growth neutral. These are the lowest readings we recorded since the pandemic. 
That's Creighton University economist Ernie Gross, who said 63% of employers reporting a shortage of applicants for open positions, a survey indicating there are about 213,000 fewer employees in the workforce than there were before the pandemic. And Mark Mayfield tells us Amazon planning on firing more than 17,000 employees. In November, the Seattle-based company began layoffs, but estimated they would only need to cut about 10,000 employees. The layoffs are concentrated in the company's corporate ranks and retail operations. This is the largest workforce reduction in a major tech company ever reported. And finally, in our news segment on a Friday morning, great deals are being credited with online sales, seeing a jump this holiday season. Actobi Analytics reports that online retailers racked up $211.7 billion in sales during the holiday shopping season. That's a 3.5% increase compared to the previous year. Cyber Week saw shoppers spending just over $35 billion during the five-day period between Thanksgiving and Cyber Monday. It is a Friday morning. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Connection on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. More on the passing of Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI. George Weigel is up next. People ask how they can care for older family members who can't fully care for themselves. One answer is Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Visiting Angels assists adults nationwide with 600 locations to continue living at home and not have to move into a nursing home. Their caregivers provide assistance in hygiene, meals, and light housework. Services are provided up to 24 hours per day, and you can select your caregiver before service begins. More information, including franchise opportunities, is on the web at visitingangels.com. Man failed the first test of freedom. He refused God's plan of love and chose freely to sin and made himself a slave to sin. That first sin gave mankind the gene or inclination to sin, which has given birth to numerous other sins. The Catholic Catechism reminds us that the exercise of freedom does not imply a right to say or do everything. Man is not totally self-sufficient, and his final goal is not his own self-interest and the enjoyment of earthly goals. When man violates the moral law, he becomes his own prisoner, disrupting neighborly fellowships while rebelling against divine truth. For freedom, Galatians tells us, Christ has set us free. He redeemed us from sin, which held man in bondage. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. This program is brought to you in part by Charity Mobile, a proud partner of Ave Maria Radio for almost 20 years. Charity Mobile is the pro-life cell phone company, and it sent millions of dollars to thousands of pro-life charities. 5G coverage is available nationwide, and 5% of your monthly plan price goes to your favorite pro-life charity. Live chat and a video introduction are available at CharityMobile.com. Charity Mobile. Everyday living. Effortless giving. CharityMobile.com. The Wisdom of Mother Angelica. Once you lose faith, if somebody does something to you and hurts you one time, two times, three times, four times, St. Peter thought seven was a good number. How often should I forgive my brother, Lord? Seven times? My Lord said, no, 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 no. Seventy times, seven times a day. For more information on Mother Angelica, visit Religious Catalog at EWTNRC.com. 
Welcome to Spirit of Stewardship. Jeremy Beltsky is your host for real-life stories, encouragement, and ideas to enhance your own gifts of work, wealth, and wisdom in response to God's blessings for you. I'm Jeremy Belsky, and today's topic is Stewardship of the Environment, God's Creation of Nature. When you hear the message, Be a Wise Steward of Your Resources, do you ever consider the role you play in your community environment? It's natural to think of time, talent, and treasure when stewardship is mentioned, but our faith teaches us that all is gift from God. Thus, respect for nature and doing our part to ensure a safe and clean environment is important. Here are just three areas we can pay more attention. A lot of action has been taken in recent years by nonprofits geared towards a cleaner environment. The first area of focus is to eliminate litter. Consider how your actions to pick up after yourself are pleasing to God Be proud to do your part to keep your community and neighborhood clean. Secondly, look at ways to recycle and make the most out of your purchases. Does it matter to you that so much plastic consumes our landfills? Have you given thought as to how you can make a particular purchase last longer? Third, in a country filled with abundance, what's being done to ensure our nature and environment for the next generation? This is more than eating bread crust and cleaning off your plate. The root lies in not wasting what we've been given. There's a great deal of time and effort that goes into caring for our place of residence in addition to our possessions. Keeping up what is ours or giving our used possessions to the less fortunate are a couple of ways to be prudent stewards of our blessings from God. I'm Jeremy Belsky, your host for Spirit of Stewardship. To learn how you can better share your talents and resources, contact your local parish priest. Your level of involvement in the church now positively impacts our faith in the future. They must also be ready to lead the commitment made by the entire school community to assist our young people and their families to experience the harmony between faith, life, and culture. Here, I wish to make a special appeal to religious brothers, sisters, and priests. Do not abandon the school apostolate. Indeed, renew your commitment to schools, especially those in poorer areas. Beautiful comments from late Pope Benedict XVI, Pope Emeritus, who stepped down from the papacy after something that we hadn't seen in almost 600 years, but the humility of this man to understand that God was calling him to a life of prayer for the church. And what a decision that must have been for him. So much to talk about and so blessed to have George Weigel on with us this morning, who just arrived in Rome about 24 hours ago. Of course, he really needs no introduction for our audience, but just in case, he's Distinguished Senior Fellow at the Ethics and Public Policy Center, Catholic theologian, one of America's leading public intellectuals, holding the Ethics and Public Policy Center's William E. Simon Chair in Catholic Studies, a noted author, most recently uh, producing a beautiful book regarding Vatican II, which we'll talk about as well. Uh, George, George, I can imagine this is just um, an incredible time for you personally. For all of us, I think, are feeling it. But because of your closeness to John Paul II and also Benedict, what's it like for you right now? Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Teresa. Thank you for having me, and, and thank you for asking. Uh, it's a bit of an overcast day here in Rome today, which is you know, somewhat appropriate. I, I think there's a, there's a bit of sadness in the air. Uh, at the death of really one of the gigantic figures of, of modern Catholicism. Uh, but there's also a great uh, sense of gratitude that we were blessed for 95 years 
with this uh, extraordinary figure, teacher, scholar, uh, prefect of the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, Pope, and possibly the greatest papal homilist, papal preacher, since St. Gregory the Great 1,500 years ago. So it's a combination of sadness and gratitude. I was able to go into the Basilica this morning with my old friend Cardinal George Pell and pray at the beer where the Pope is, uh, uh, Pope Emeritus is uh, exposed for the veneration of uh, the enormous crowds coming in. And about all I could say, aside from the obvious prayers, was thank you for 35 years of friendship and conversation. And thank you for being such an extraordinary uh, model of fidelity to Jesus Christ. Mm. It's interesting you should say that because that's exactly what I said. I had the opportunity to be one of the delegates to the conference that he held under his pontificate on the 20th anniversary of John Paul II's Mulieris Dignitatum on the Dignity and Vocation of Women. And I can remember heading there, and I, and I write this in my opening chapter in my book, Extreme Makeover, published by a mutual publisher of ours, Ignatius Press, and looking at how his writings, really, George, even before he was Pope, were so significant in my return to the Church as, as a, f- a former radical feminist, truly understanding through his writings and the writings of John Paul II, male and female complementarity. Uh, we hear a lot about how Benedict was influenced by John Paul II, in your words, knowing both of these incredible teachers and theologians, how was John Paul II impacted by Benedict? There's, I think that's a give and take, isn't it, in terms of what they learned from each other? It was one of the great partnerships in the history of the papacy, and I think you would have to go very deep into pontifical history to find two men of this stature, spiritually, intellectually, uh, working in close harness, not always agreeing on everything, uh, humble enough to learn from each other. Uh, I think John Paul II recognized that uh, Cardinal Ratzinger, as he then was, had a deeper and broader theological intelligence than his own. Uh, Cardinal Ratzinger understood that John Paul II had an intuitive feel for the dynamics of late 20th century history, uh, really unlike anyone else. Um, They could discuss things together. A lot of those great encyclicals of John Paul II were hashed out over lunches in, in the papal apartment with Cardinal Ratzinger and others present. Um, so it was, it was really an extraordinary collaboration. And when you think of the, of the human differences here, uh, Paul German, uh, philosopher, theologian, sportsman, uh, recluse, reclusive intellectual, great public personality, shy public personality. And yet they worked together in an extraordinary way. I think in part because both were men of the Second Vatican Council who knew that the Council had been a great gift of the Holy Spirit to the Church, but who also knew that the Council needed an authoritative interpretation, which they proceeded to give it over 35 years. 
And speaking of Vatican II, I know your latest book, and we discussed this uh, just a few weeks ago, which is a beautiful book, To Sanctify the World, The Vital Legacy of Vatican II. Uh, let's talk about uh, Benedict's role, or, or then uh, Ratzinger's role, in Vatican II, because the media understands so little, and they paint him as such a, a, a hardcore, quote-unquote, conservative when he is upholding the church teaching. You're not conservative or liberal when you're Catholic, you're Catholic. But what they didn't know is that he was considered to be more progressive during Vatican II, Correct. Yeah, neither neither of us really like that word, Teresa, I'm I'm sure. He was a reformer. He understood that the challenge of the Church in the modern world, uh, after two world wars and a pretty ghastly first half of the 20th century, was to find a way to express the enduring truths of Catholic faith in a vocabulary that a jaded, irreligious world could hear and engage and be challenged by. The Church could not simply keep repeating the same simple catechism formulas it had been repeating since the 16th century. It had to find a new way of presenting the Lord Jesus Christ to the world. That's what Vatican II was for. And Joseph Ratzinger, in his mid-30s, was one of the three most influential theologians at Vatican II, uh, in terms of actual impact on on the major documents uh, of the Council. So uh, he was very much a man of Vatican II, and he understood that its purpose was to make the tradition accessible to people today. It was not to reinvent the Catholic Church. Right, right. Which so many in in the media and the culture still don't understand, and he just did a beautiful job, I think, of upholding the truth. It's more with George Weigel. George joining us live from Rome, so appreciate him taking time out of his extremely busy schedule. We'll be right back. Father Bennett. Registration is now open for the 2023 Young Catholic Professional Conference, The Little Way. Inspired by the writings of St. Teresa of Lisieux, The Little Way is a simple approach to spiritual life that seeks to do ordinary things with extraordinary love. The YCP Conference will take place from April 21st through April 23rd at the Hyatt Regency in Frisco on Preston Road. The conference includes guest speakers, mass, confessions, networking opportunities, and a gala. For more information and to register, visit youngcatholicprofessionals.org. Hello, I'm Dr. Kyle Eberlein, owner of Mid-Cities Dental and a parishioner at Good Shepherd Catholic Church in Colleyville. We have been joyfully treating patients in our Catholic community for many years. We're truly blessed to be serving the people of our area and proud to be a sponsor of this great radio station, KATH 910 AM. If you're in need of dental care or would like a second opinion, you can reach us online at midcitiesdental.com. Car raffle season has arrived, and this year, on February 24th, someone is going to find out that they have won a 2023 Mercedes-Benz CLA 250 Coupe in polar white. Hi, this is Dave Palmer, and I can really use your help. Will you be one of our car raffle wranglers by offering to help sell some of the car raffle tickets to your friends and family? Just email me at kath at grnonline.com and let me know how many tickets you'd like. We'll mail them to you ASAP so you can get started. That email is kath at grnonline.com. 
Hello, it's Todd Sluter, licensed professional counselor with Epiphany Counseling and longtime sponsor of GRN. I have been blessed to work with many individuals, couples, teens, and families in our diocese for the past eight years, incorporating counseling principles with authentic Catholic values. God wants you to have a greater sense of joy and purpose. If you or someone you know are struggling to find purpose, stuck moving forward with goals in life, or a relationship is not working, you may need to seek a counselor to help regain hope and healing. You may get in touch with me at 469-556-8336. Catholic Answers Live. It's two hours dedicated to Catholic apologetics and evangelization. Designed for Catholics and non-Catholics alike, it's your opportunity to hear from and talk with some of the leading apologists and theologians in the church today. You've got questions? We've got Catholic Answers. Catholic Answers Live, weekdays, 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. Yet we all know, and observe with concern, the difficulty or reluctance many people have today in entrusting themselves to God. It is a complex phenomenon and one which I ponder continually. While we have sought diligently to engage the intellect of our young, perhaps we have neglected the will. Subsequently, we observe with distress the notion of freedom being distorted. One point I always would say about Benedict when I would read him or listen to him was the clarity, the clarity of his teaching. I could always tell when I was doing my daily scripture readings in Magnificat or another devotional, even before I saw the author who wrote the particular reflection for that day, I just knew his voice so well. It was just so, so clear. And we're discussing the, of course, contributions, countless contributions of Cardinal Joseph Ratzinger, Benedict XVI, also Pope Emeritus XVI, who passed away on Saturday in Rome at the age of 95, discussing it with George Weigel, who's in Rome, actually, Distinguished Senior Fellow of the Ethics and Public Policy Center, a Catholic theologian, and one of America's leading public intellectuals. And George, thank you so much for taking the time. Clarity, when I think about describing Benedict, that's what I think about. How about you? Uh, Absolutely right, uh, Teresa. He had one of the most luminously clear minds of anyone I've ever met. Uh, You would ask him a question, he would pause and reflect, and then he would speak in complete paragraphs. Uh, And I I once thought that that was just an impression. But then uh, when I was taping our interviews while I was preparing uh, Witness to Hope, the first volume of my John Paul II biography, I'm transcribing the tape, and it was complete paragraphs. And that's just the way his mind worked. Uh, and it was an extraordinary thing. And this, by the way, let's remember, was in his third or fourth language. Mm-hmm. Because we were speaking in English. So, no, uh, it's a clarity and uh, uh, simplicity, if you will, that comes on the far side of complexity. Uh, he knew the tradition so well and in such depth that he could distill its essence in a remarkably clear way. And that only comes from a lifetime of study and, and scholarship. And, and reflection. I was reading this morning some quotes, and, and some quotes on the Blessed Virgin Mary. He was talking about Mary pondering and reflecting and reminding us 
how important reflecting is in terms of understanding a relationship with God and God's will for our lives. I'm wondering also, and we spoke about this, George, during the break, how is Archbishop Gaineswine doing? I can only imagine uh, the loss he must feel right now, being so close to him and serving as his secretary for so long. You said you did see him today, actually, correct? Yes. When Cardinal Pell and I left the Basilica at about 10.30, quarter of 11 this morning, just purely by accident, Archbishop Gaineswine was coming in, so we greeted each other, expressed condolences to each other, um, and then uh, Archbishop Gaineswine told Cardinal Pell the last book that the Pope Emeritus had read was the first volume of Pell's Prison Diaries, which is quite extraordinary. I had the privilege of writing the foreword to that. Mm. So it was a remarkable completing of the circle, the circle of friendship. Pell, of course, had hosted Pope Benedict in Sydney for the World Youth Day in 2008, uh, and they were quite close. So, and as I had said at the beginning of, of our talk today, I had known uh, Joseph Ratzinger since 1988. It was 35 years mm. of, of uh, conversation. And um, so it was, it was wonderful to see Archbishop Gaines slide. He looks very tired, as you can imagine. Um, he uh, served Pope Benedict and Pope Emeritus Benedict with utter devotion. And the last time I spoke with the Pope Emeritus about two and a half, three years ago, two and a half years ago, uh, it was a wonderful, rollicking conversation for about an hour. And, uh, you know, Gainsvine would would really help the Pope speak, the Pope Emeritus speak. He was quite frail physically, completely alert mentally, and and he would, you know, whisper answers, and, and Archbishop Gainsvine would, would be his master's voice. Uh, and that's really what he was for the last several years of of uh, Pope Emeritus Benedict's life. Mm, beautiful. If you're just joining us live on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network, it is 33 minutes past the hour. We've been talking with George Weigel, of course, Distinguished Senior Fellow of the Ethics and Public Policy Center, noted Catholic theologian, also one of America's leading public intellectuals. His latest book, All About Vatican II, a beautiful book. He spoke with us about it just two weeks ago, To Sanctify the World, The Vital Legacy of Vatican II. We only have about three minutes left, George. I'd love you to comment on, and it's just just touched my heart so deeply this morning. The final words of Benedict, Ti amo, Signore. Lord, I love you. Yeah, Teresa, that was a real, that was a real moment of, of tears, I think, for many mm. of us when mm-hmm. we read that report. But it, it summed up his life in an extraordinary way. I was speaking last night to some 50 seminarians from the state of Wisconsin, who were here in Rome on pilgrimage, and I said that Saturday morning I was struck by how utterly appropriate it was that the Gospel for Mass on on December 31st, the day the Pope Emeritus died, was the prologue to John's Gospel. The Mm. beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And that's Mm. what Joseph Ratzinger spent a lifetime explaining to the world, because he loved the Word incarnate and gave his soul over to the Word incarnate at the end of his life. Mm. 
And, and we can think about him in his final moments just, you know, being uh, totally at peace and then just saying that. And a beautiful story from Vatican News where they talked about, of course, the primacy of Peter. Lord, you know I love you. Yes, I love you. And they reflected upon that. Just just powerful. So, George, you are attending the funeral on, on Thursday. What does the rest of the week look like for you? I'm sure you'll be commenting on many a different uh, program on, on the passing of Benedict. Well, as as I have for the past 22 years, uh, Teresa, I'll be working with NBC here, mm-hmm. but also talking to many of our friends on Catholic Radio back in the U.S. And I'm writing a kind of daily letter from Rome that um, reflects on the events here that's published on the First Things website mm-hmm. uh, beginning today, so folks might want to check that out between now and uh, the weekend. George, thank you so much for the time. I know you're extremely busy and must be tired from travel, but greatly appreciate your perspective and so blessed to know that you'll be commenting on secular media again because we need your balance and we need your accuracy out there in the secular media. George Weigel, his latest book, To Sanctify the World, The Vital Legacy of Vatican II, talking to us live from Rome this morning where he had the beautiful opportunity to pay his respects uh, to Benedict XVI. Stay tuned. Registration is now open for the 2023 Young Catholic Professional Conference, The Little Way. Inspired by the writings of St. Therese of Lisieux, The Little Way is a simple approach to spiritual life that seeks to do ordinary things with extraordinary love. The YCP Conference will take place from April 21st through April 23rd at the Hyatt Regency in Frisco on Preston Road. The conference includes guest speakers, mass, confessions, networking opportunities, and a gala. For more information and to register, visit youngcatholicprofessionals.org. The Guadalupe Radio Network thanks Little Elm Eye Care for their support. Little Elm Eye Care is owned by Drs. Bert and Leslie Bubella, parishioners of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton Parish in Plano. They specialize in family vision care, comprehensive eye exams, contact lenses, and the treatment of eye diseases and injuries. Little Elm Eye Care is located at Lakeshore Crossing at 800 West El Dorado Parkway, Suite 110 in Little Elm. They can be reached at 972-292-0900 or at littleelmeyecare.com. Marty, the TRN is raffling off a 2023 Mercedes-Benz CLA 250C. Whoa, Doc, that's heavy. What, are we going to have to like go back in time to get tickets? Not at all, Marty. Just call 888-784-3476 or go to grnonline.com. We better hurry, Marty. The drawing takes place February 24th, the year 2023. We really need one of those smartphones, Doc. Do you want a faith-filled Catholic community where your child will thrive? Discover Immaculate Conception Catholic School in Denton, where your child will receive the very best spiritual foundation, along with excellence in education. ICCS serves 250 students ages 3 through 8th grade. Whether it's living the rosary, the celebration of the Mass, or the formation of saints, scholars, musicians, and athletes, Our Lady School is the place to be. For more information, call 940-381-1155 to arrange a tour or visit catholicschooldenton.org. Excited to have a little bit more time with you this morning for our Fact Check Friday, and we're going to take a look at the World Communications Day and World Communications Day statements. So the statements themselves come out on, as I mentioned earlier, the Feast of St. Francis de Sales. The day is celebrated on the Sunday before Pentecost each year. 
looking at the achievements of the communications media and focusing on how the media can best be used to promote gospel values. So when was the World Communications Day first established? Well, as I mentioned earlier, this is a, a result really of, of Vatican II, but this happened back in 1967 with Pope Paul VI, now St. Pope Paul VI, as an annual celebration encouraging reflection on the opportunities and challenges that the modern means of social communication, so what are we talking about? We're talking about social media, obviously the internet, TV, radio, Hollywood, film, press, printing press, and the print, you know, as far as the print media. And again, the celebration coming in the wake of the Second Vatican Council, which realized that the church must engage fully with the modern world. And I love this quote from John Paul II, Pope St. John Paul II, that the media, the world of communications, is the first Areopagus, or the new Areopagus of the modern age, unifying humanity and turning it into what is known as a global village. Now, the global village is a quote, something I learned way, way back in J School or Journalism School about Marshall McClellan, the global village. The communications media have acquired such importance, JP2 said, as to be for many the chief means of information and education of guidance and inspiration for many people in their personal, family, and social behavior. In particular, the younger generation is growing up in a world conditioned by the mass media. That is a quote from Pope St. John Paul II in 1990, brothers and sisters. Now, these World Communications Day statements, as we just mentioned and pointed out, date back decades, and yet they are still so timely. You can go back and look at some of the documents, the early documents of the church, including that Second Vatican Council, the early documents, I should say, in terms of the 20th century, but looking from the Vatican Council into Marifica, and you look at what it has to say there in that chunk of teaching, and it's so timely and so evergreen, as we would say in the news business, meaning there's really no date on it, meaning evergreen, it's always going to be a story. It's always going to be present and applicable in our world today. And it really is incredible in what the church has to offer. And, and this is what I encourage people to do. And I was doing an interview, actually, for the ABC affiliate, where I used to work at, back in the uh, 90s, uh, with a reporter on Benedict the Sixteenth. And he, at the end of the interview, he said, is there anything more you'd like to say? And I said, yes, thank you for that. I would like to encourage people, Catholic, non-Catholic, if folks want to learn more about what the church has to offer, to read actually some of the documents written by, of course I'd love for people to read many, many church documents and read scripture every day as well, but in terms of Pope Benedict XVI, I said please take a look at what he has to say about women in a document he wrote during the papacy of John Paul II called On the Collaboration of Men and Women, but also look at his World Communications Day statements and see what he says about the media. And so let's do that today. His last World Communications Day was in 2013, the 47th World Communications Day. Social Networks, Portals of Truth and Faith, New Spaces for Evangelization. Now I just want to go through the titles. We'll start go from the last to the first. But look at the titles or listen to the titles, I should say. This is radio. And by the way, if you want to actually look at them and read them, you can just do a Google search for Benedict XVI World Communications Day Statements or go to Vatican.va and go to the Papacy of Benedict XVI and it gives you a whole list of his talks, his messages, his speeches, his homilies, and his World Communications Day messages. So the 47th World Communications Day in 2013, Social Networks, Portals of Truth and Faith, New Spaces or Evangelization. In 2012, Silence and Word, 
path of evangelization. In 2011, truth, proclamation, and authenticity of life in the digital age. In 2010, he penned a World Communications Day statement for priests regarding the media. And how important is that? And this was in 2010, so 13 years ago. He's thinking of how social media impacts the priesthood, impacts congregations, can help the priest, but can also be a detriment if priests don't understand how it works. The title of that document, The Priest and Pastoral Ministry in a Digital World, New Media at the Service of the Word. And did you know, speaking of new media, social media, which is still considered in some ways new media, that Benedict launched the first papal tweet in 2012. 2009, new technologies, new relationships, promoting a culture of respect, dialogue, and friendship. Talk about thinking forward in terms of how we are so out of control today with the way we talk to each other, especially on social media, on Facebook, on Twitter. In 2008, the media at the crossroads between self-promotion and service. Searching for the truth in order to share it with others. I mean, just the titles, brothers and sisters, of these documents show you the insight of the church and the insight of popes and great minds such as Benedict XVI. In 2007, here's one, moms, dads, and educators, children and the media, a challenge for education. And then his very first World Communications Day statement, which came out in 2006, the media a network for communication, communion, and cooperation. For parents out there, let's take a look at the Communications Day Statement from 2007. Children in the Media, a Challenge for Education. The theme of the 41st World Communications Day, Children in the Media, a Challenge for Education, invites us to reflect on two related topics of immense importance, Benedict wrote. The formation of children is one, the other perhaps left obvious, but no important, the formation of the media. The complex challenges facing education today are often linked to the pervasive influence of the media in our world. And brothers and sisters, the date of this document again? 2007. 2007. As an aspect of the phenomenon of globalization and facilitated by the rapid development, rapid development was actually a, do a document written by John Paul II, on the media, just saying. Rapid development of technology, the media profoundly shaped the cultural environment, and he's quoting actually that document. Indeed, some claim that the formative influence of the media rivals that of the school, the church, and maybe even the home. Reality for many is what the media recognize as real. That itself is a quote from the Pontifical Council for Social Communications. The relationship of children, media, and education can be considered from two perspectives. Again, the formation of children and the formation of children to respond appropriately to the media. The Pope asked the question at this time, how is the common good to be protected and promoted? Educating children to be discriminating in their use of the media is a responsibility of parents, church, and school. The role of parents is of primary importance. They have a right and a duty to ensure the prudent use of the media by training the conscience of their children to express sound and objective judgments, which will then guide them in choosing or rejecting programs available. Media education should be positive. Like education in general, media education requires formation and the exercise of freedom. It's a demanding task, 
So often, freedom is presented as a relentless search for pleasure or new experiences. This is a condemnation, not a liberation. True freedom can never condemn the individual, especially a child, to an insatiable quest for novelty. The church itself, in light of the message of salvation entrusted to her, is also a teacher of humanity and welcomes the opportunity to offer assistance to parents, educators, communicators, and young people. Her own parish and the school program should be in the forefront of media education today. Above all, the church desires to share a vision of human dignity that is central to all worthy communication, seeing with the eyes of Christ. I can give others much more than their outward necessities. I can give them the look of love which they crave. So this, as I mentioned, all of these statements are released on January 24th, the feast of the great St. Francis de Sales, who was also, of course, the patron of journalists. So this is just one document, and I was just picking and choosing different quotes. So just this one document, especially for parents and educators, you could look over this and get so much fruit in terms of helping you understand how the media need to be applied in our lives. And again, that is just one of the documents, and that is the one that came out in 2007. Or how about his, his most recent one from 2013, before he stepped down from the papacy, the 47th World Communications Day, Social Networks, Portals of Truth and Faith, New Spaces for Evangelization. So the idea that the church is against using the media for evangelization is just completely false, and it's also very much misunderstood. The church has always talked about using media wisely and not to throw the baby out with the bathwater. But there is a consistent continuity between all of these messages, whether it be from Benedict, whether it be from John Paul II, whomever, talking about the responsibility, especially with parents in terms of children, but also our own personal responsibility in how we use the media. As the 2013 World Communications Day draws near, I'd like to offer you some reflection, Benedict writes, on the increasingly important reality regarding the way in which people communicate among themselves. I wish to consider the development of digital social networks which are helping to create a new public square in which people share ideas, information, and opinions, and in which new relationships and forms of community can come into being. These spaces, when engaged in a wise and balanced way, help to foster forms of dialogue and debate, which, if conducted respectfully and with concern for privacy, responsibility, and truthfulness, can reinforce the bonds of unity between individuals and effectively promote the harmony of the human family. The exchange of information can become true communication. Links ripen into friendships and connections facilitate communion. If the networks are called to realize this great potential, the people involved then must make an effort to be authentic. Since in these spaces, it is not only ideas and information that are shared, but ultimately our very selves. These are brilliant insights for us in the way we are to apply the media, all forms of media in our lives. These are nuggets that are available. Take them off the shelves. Read them. Apply them. Meditate upon them. Ponder these wise words. Ponder something Our Lady always did and does. And remember the gift we have in the papacy of Benedict XVI. Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI, pray for us. World Communications Day statements, a great tool. Don't ignore them. We'll be right back.
people ask how they can care for older family members who can't fully care for themselves. One answer is Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Visiting Angels assists adults nationwide with 600 locations to continue living at home and not have to move into a nursing home. Their caregivers provide assistance in hygiene, meals, and light housework. Services are provided up to 24 hours per day, and you can select your caregiver before service begins. More information, including franchise opportunities, is on the web at visitingangels.com. While Mary's not mentioned as often as Moses, not mentioned as often as Peter or Paul, her role in Scripture is even more significant. She's absolutely unique. There are many apostles, but there's only one God-bearer. There are a lot of people who proclaim the Word of God. There's only one woman who bore the Word of God, quite literally, within her. She's utterly unique in that she literally transmits the Word of God to the world. So when the Word of God wanted to take on human flesh, Whose human flesh did he choose? It was Mary's. She donated out of her own life substance the flesh of Jesus. The body prepared for Christ is taken from the Blessed Mother. Nobody else in salvation history occupies such a role. Cresta in the Afternoon, weekdays at 4 Eastern on EWTN Radio. We are the pro-life generation passionate about building the culture of life in our health care and in our nation. But not all health care options are equally pro-life, and some provide morally objectionable procedures. CMF Curo is different. CMF Curo is a pro-life Catholic health care ministry, providing a pathway for its members to build the culture of life in their health care choices, not destroy it. Learn more about CMF Curo at MyCatholicHealthCare.com. That's MyCatholicHealthCare.com. Colleen Kelly Mast. I cannot even count the number of times that God has clearly shown me his power and love when I continue to say yes to him. He provides for our needs. Even standing at the funeral home during the wake of my late son, the Holy Spirit kept singing in my head, the joy of the Lord is my strength. I didn't feel very strong at the time, but I knew that God was holding me close. Mast Appeal with Colleen Kelly Mast. Saturday, 9 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. Father Benedict Groeschel. I want to welcome you, if you're not familiar, with the wonderful world of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. What will America become if it makes it impossible for the Holy Spirit to work here because of untruth and self-indulgence and paganism? This is not just a nice discussion of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, because I'm going to discuss what happens when people make it impossible to be prudent, just, or honest, or brave, or courageous, or reverent? When people make that impossible, what a terrible thing they do not only to themselves, but to our society. EWTN. Live Truth. Live Catholic. I hope you know how much we appreciate your listenership here at the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Maria Radio Network. 
And we always say we are all about the resources. So just remember, anything you hear daily on this show, you can check out. You can go to, for example, the EWTM Religious Catalog through EWTN.com. You may also go to the archive section of Catholic Connection at AveMariaRadio.net. And all the resources are there for you. This is also a great way, by the way, to witness. Sometimes if you're challenged by a friend or a loved one on a particular topic and you hear us talking about an issue, right, that has come up, especially, right, over the holidays or a special occasion, you can go to or tell your friend or family member with whom you're discussing something to go to one of these sites and to listen to a program, or you can send them to the link to the program and they could hear it for themselves. That's why we call Catholic Radio part of being a member of the shy evangelist family right because we do the evangelization for you and you can pass it on we'll talk to you in the next edition of catholic connection thanks again for listening you've been listening to catholic connection with Teresa tamio catholic connection is a co-production of ave maria radio and ewtn radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Our producer is Andrew Kruchek. For copies of this program or for more information, visit AveMariaRadio.net. That's A-V-E-MariaRadio.net. Thanks for listening and join us next time for another edition of Catholic Connection. In your car, at the office, or in your home, we're always here. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Are you a parent in need of funds to help you better afford sending your children to school? Are you interested in learning about a great scholarship opportunity? The Rebecca Leah Rivera Foundation is celebrating their 19th year of awarding Spirit of Love scholarships to Catholic students in the Diocese of Dallas. The application submission period will be January 2nd through February 1st, 2023. For more information about the Rebecca Leah Rivera Foundation, visit RebeccaLeahRivera.org or call 972-480-5273. Do you need a new branding strategy that allows you to educate and engage with your local community while building trust and credibility? Decided Excellence Catholic Media offers a very unique branding platform which showcases you as the expert in your industry. Our exclusive publications are open, read, kept, and shared with thousands of readers and communities throughout Texas and nationwide. To learn more about our powerful branding solutions, please contact Doreen Chaney at dchaney at decidedexcellence.com. That's D-C-H-A-N-A-Y at decidedexcellence.com. Blessed be God, blessed be His holy name. Blessed be Jesus Christ, true God and true man. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Blessed be His most sacred heart. Blessed be His most precious blood. Blessed be Jesus in the most holy sacrament of the altar. Blessed be the Holy Spirit of Paraclete. Blessed be the Great Mother of God, Mary Most Holy. Blessed be her holy and immaculate conception. 
Blessed be her glorious assumption. Blessed be the name of Mary, Virgin and Mother. Blessed be Saint Joseph, her most chaste spouse. Blessed be God in his angels and in his saints. Thanks for listening to KATH 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth. Catholic radio for your soul on the Guadalupe Radio Network in North Texas. Heard also at grnonline.com and on your smartphone. 